Thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. In this season, when we say thanks, um, it's a wonderful time to bow our heads and open our hearts and say we have, you've given us jobs and income and uh, a, a dry home in the midst of rain and warm home in the midst of cold. So we, we have problems, but not anything like generations ago did and, and other places of the world do even today. So we say thank you. But we are rich in the things that really do matter in spiritual life and vitality and a copy of the scriptures that we get to hold. And so we, we know we are doubly, triply blessed. I thank you, Lord, too, for not only the people of SPC, but then um, I, I thank you, too, for the surrounding area churches that have a high view of scripture and count Jesus as Lord and Savior of the world and um, want to follow him in faith. I pray blessings upon those places as well because, Lord, we, we know that there is one faith, there's one way to heaven through Jesus Christ, and no one gets to the Father, to you, except through him. So, Lord, we are, we are in a cooperative sport together, uh, working to your glory. And I pray that the Christmas shop would go exceptionally well this year, that there'd be open opportunities for dialogue and invitations. I pray people would come to know Christ. And then I pray, too, that area churches would feel the, the revival of heart and that, that there'd be a stir of, of God's people and, and may it make a difference in our community. I pray, too, for the, uh, the show that will happen 13th and 14th. I pray your hand of blessing upon it not only for good execution, but for people to renew their faith and, and be born spiritually and to make commitments to follow the Lord in faith. Now, as we hear your word, Lord, may you um, use it as a guide to all truth, and may we take it to heart well and change not just our behavior, but our thinking, our values, everything about us. Transform us, we pray. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we're in the book of Proverbs. This is like week number 12. Isn't it crazy great? I think it is. We could go 12 more weeks. And I get no amens to that at all. That's okay. But I have thoroughly enjoyed it. There are weeks, there, there are subjects we didn't get covered, but I don't want to give you 12 more because I don't want to worry you out. But there's, there's depth of riches to this. And, and in the series, uh, Wise Moves in Life, we've looked at the wise moves of fear God more and fear life less. We've looked at the, the pursuing wisdom and doing it full speed, trusting the Lord with all of our hearts becoming lifelong learners. We know the value of our words and that words really do matter. And because they matter, we want to choose them carefully. We want to choose them carefully verbally. We want to choose them carefully digitally as well. Um, we know that morality is a big deal and we, we think, oh, it won't really matter. And then we live the rest of our lives in regret because of the bad decisions we made. And, and the Lord says, no, morality does matter. Proverbs gives us many, many lessons on that. And then, of course, kindness matters as well. And, and we want to love what God loves. We want to hate what God hates. And so we want to have our hearts tied to the Lord's, regardless of what culture does. So we want to honor families. We want to we be the people who are the most thankful because we know we have a lot to be thankful for. We could do other messages on the values of life and work and time and discipline. We could, there could be another whole set of messages just on addictions, just out of Proverbs, on deception and how to treat the poor and the list could go on, honesty with our lives and self-talk and then, the, and then go back to fearing God again because 
there's a centrality of, of God throughout the book of Proverbs. But t- today what I want to do is I want to close out the series just by asking a handful of questions because the, the bigger issue might be not what more is there to learn. The bigger issue might be what am I going to implement? Um, what am I going to actually put into motion? What's going to be my next move? Because I, I hope it's a wise move. We take in lessons, and here's what happens, is we, we study the Word when we're together, and then we take some notes, but then we immediately, we close our Bibles, we hop in the car, we go grab lunch, we do some things that need to be done because our week has started. And now, right now, even as I'm preaching, some of you are going, I can't remember my security code. I'm not sure I can get back in the building tomorrow because you've been off work for a few days, and, and you need to go into a cold sweat about that, you know, because you've been off duty. But what's going to happen is you're going to, Learn the lessons of the scriptures, but then you're going to start thinking about what's happening Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and you should. But what happens is that we never implement what we learn. And so we listen, but it really doesn't change us. So what I'm asking you to do is not just listen, but listen, take it in, not hear just noise, but pay attention to it. Have you ever turned on the radio when you want to get to the top of the hour news, and then you hear words, but you never really like, uh, I didn't really hear anything? You ever had that happen? Because you got busy driving the car or whatever it is you were doing? Or then you go, okay, I'm going to pay attention now. I want to listen to weather because tonight I want to mow the yard. And you hear numbers, but you're not sure what numbers you heard. Anybody else? Was It's 56. Is that the temperature or the wind speed? I'm not sure, you know? And you're, you, you, so you heard, was that today or was that tomorrow? Was that in the morning? Was that a 50% or was that 50 degrees? And so you hear, but you're not really listening, really not paying attention. Here's the the deal. When Solomon wrote Proverbs 23 times, he wrote, listen, 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 listen. Pay attention to what God is saying because your life could be better if you'll just pay attention. Um, You ever had a teacher who would go, okay, okay, kids, pay attention. I had a teacher who would go, pay attention, chop, chop. You ever hear that? Chop, chop, pay attention. In other words, you got to really pay attention. Dial back in now. And that's what Proverbs is doing 23 times. Listen to this. This is really important. And I want you to listen because your life could be so much better. In fact, what I'm telling you is this. Your life could be better with just some little tweaks, little adjustments. I'm not even asking you to make giant steps forward. It's what Neil Armstrong said. It's a small step for a man. It's a giant leap for mankind. If you made some small steps, maybe just one or two, it would be a giant leap in the in your life being somewhat better. And that's my key word today is the word better. Your life could be better. And Solomon says that at least seven times. Let me show you what I mean. You're in uh, the book of Proverbs. Turn to chapter 12, and I'm going to ask you seven questions. Here they are. First one, am I being honest with myself and others? Am I being honest? Because it's better, here's our word, better to be no, a nobody and yet have a, and have a servant than to pretend to be somebody and have no food. You've met someone who pretends to be somebody, and yet they, they really don't have enough to make it. But they appear to be all that, right? So my word to you is this. Proverbs 12, 9. Stop pretending. Stop posturing. Stop posing. Just be honest. Begin with yourself. Move on to others. Find your way through those life challenges by being honest with yourself. Better to be a nobody and have a servant. Let people think what they'll think. Better to be that than to pretend to be a somebody and not have enough to get by on the day. Number two, 
is fearing the Lord priority one? Is it really the top of the stack? Because better is a little fear of the Lord. He's not even asking for a great fear. Do you see, see this? Better is a little fear of the Lord, Proverbs 15, 16. Little fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. You can have all of the wealth in the world, but if you have turmoil, it's not worth it. We can collect things. You can have stuff. And that collection may be stuff. It may be dollars. It may be bank accounts. doesn't matter. It's all wasted if we don't fear the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't make really good choices if you don't fear the Lord. So ask yourself the question, do I really fear the Lord? Is that really a top priority in my life? Thirdly, another great question is, am I more loving today than a month ago? Am I more loving today than a month ago? Why? Because better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened cat with hatred. Because better is... A small serving of vegetables with love, better to have that than to have the best fatted calf in the world and have strife and hatred. I think it's funny we would land on Proverbs 15, 17 on the week of Thanksgiving because we've all been to family units and I just want to let you know, every family tree, get right this down, every family tree has knots in it. Okay? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Okay, so every family tree has weird stuff in it. Uh, my family tree has knots and some mold growing in places. Some weird fungus. We're not really sure how that got there. Right? And you can cut off branches of that tree. It'll come right back. I know this because I've tried that. You know. So... Understand this, it'd be better for you to go to Thanksgiving with peace and quiet and just some simple vegetables. Wouldn't that be better? Than having a wonderful spread of food and hatred. After first service, uh, a young man caught me in the lobby and said, did you just give me permission to cancel my in-laws Thanksgiving this afternoon? I said, no, I did not. And she said, yes, you did. Well, maybe Solomon did, but I didn't. And I always get these little nuggets. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, right? You hear that? And she goes, it's going to be very quiet at our table. You know, they, they don't have much to say. We've been to high-class dinners, though, haven't we, where there's phenomenal food, but stress? It's not worth it. You don't have good digestion when there's that kind of stress. It'd be better just to have some simple vegetables and peace and joy and quiet. I don't know about you, but, but uh, right now, too, across the social feed are a lot of these family pictures, and they're all like, like, we have the best family in the world, and yet I'm going, yeah, and she's got daggers on that, and you know, there's, there's all kinds of strife hanging out, because it's what happens with family, but the pictures that we present are, we're having a great time. We're not talking to each other, but we, shape, we do take a good family picture. I think I told you this once before, but I had a lady in my office, and she was weeping and wailing over her family and just this trauma of life. And as she left my office, there was a picture of, of our family, and our kids were little, and, we, and I don't know what possessed us. We decided to dress everybody the same. We were, all, we were all happening, you know. And she goes, I wish I had a perfect family. It's just as she her hands on the doorknob. I wish I had a perfect family like you. And I said, stop it. That picture took eight hours 
and we hated each other by the end. We didn't talk to each other for two days. Because, you know, she's breathing on me. She's flipping her hair. He won't sit. He won't sit. He wants to, you know, his kids want to step out, you know. And uh, just then you would get one, and, and you'd, you'd, someone would be looking away, or they'd be in a mood, or they'd be rolling their eyes, or whatever. And I said, that was like one millimeter of a second when we all happened to be facing the same direction. And it took that guy all day to get that picture. And trust me, he charged us for the pleasure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So no family's perfect. No family's perfect. But wouldn't it be great just to have a bowl of vegetables and love? It's better than the richest food in the world and hatred. Question number four. Am I, this one's really tough. This one's a hard one to even quantify and qualify. Am I, am I tolerating injustice? Do, do I put up with injustice? Do I push it off, rationalize it? Because better is a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Better is little with righteousness. So you better have a lot less but be right than to have all the gain in the world and be putting up with something that's just not right. You see, in our culture, profit margins really drive. They really trump the decisions of life. But there are things more important than the, than the profit margins. It's like trying to measure, it, it's like trying to measure, and I, I love what Timothy Keller said, uh, greed is something that you, you don't realize is happening until it's already happening. Because you don't have a greedometer on you. We just don't. We just, it just kind of seeps its way into our lives. And the next thing you know is that when we begin to rationalize injustice and we, we let seep out righteousness and the injustice comes in, but we do that for convenience or for profit or for our own pleasure or whatever that is, whatever, and we justify it somehow. And we hardly know it's happening until it absolutely happens. And then, then we realize where we are. But most of the time, quite frankly, folks, we, we try to find a way to justify it. Why? Because we don't want to, we, we, we say, well, if, if I did that, it would cost me more. It just would. I was in a store recently, and I was buying a bunch of stuff. It's on a wagon, you know, one of those kind of stores. And the, the girl has a little gun with the beeper, and she's beep, beep, beep. She's going through, she's trying to get it all, you know. She's, and she gets it all, but uh, she didn't see a piece down low in the, in the wagon. And uh, I know it's, no one else in the store sees, I mean, and then I guess, uh, okay, that'll be such and such. And I went, ah, you missed one. And I pull one out down below. Oh, thank you. You know. And she looked at me like, are you crazy? You could have walked out, you know. I get that look a lot. Are you crazy? But for different reasons. I pulled it out. And, but, so it cost me 10 bucks more, 12 bucks more. But here's what I learned. Uh, that's cheap because I get a clean conscience when I walk out the door. Understand? And I could have walked out and gone, well, it was her mistake. She didn't see it. Security guard didn't get it. He's, he's too busy doing other stuff, checking his phone or whatever it is he's doing. But it, it's their job to check me out. It's not my job to come clean. No, it's my job to come clean. Why? Because I want to live justly and I want to love mercy 
and I want to walk humbly before the Lord. Why? Because we fear God. Because that's priority one, fear God. Okay? See, you understand how greed can just seep its way in? It, it can just do it, and we can rationalize. And then people know you're a believer in Jesus, and yet you put up with injustice. It, it, that isn't the Jesus we worship and we know. So ask yourself the question, am I tolerating injustice? Do I put up with it and somehow justify it? That's a hard question to let yourself circle around with. That may be a wise move in life for you. Okay, number five. Am I humble in spirit or do I recognize my own pride? That's kind of a double hit there. And that, that comes from Proverbs 16, verse 9. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. There are a couple of observations to make on this one proverb. And the first one says, it's better to be lowly in spirit, get that? It's an attitude, than to be proud. So there's this attitude thing going on. Do I, am I lowly in spirit or am I proud? You understand? That's, that's the first question to be asking. What's my attitude? What's going on inside my head? What's going on inside my heart? So the first one's attitudinal. The second one is this. Who am I hanging with? That's the question. Is it the oppressed people or is it the people who are proud people? Because why is that? Because the company you keep will be the character that will bleed over on you. Because bad company will corrupt, uh, the New Testament tells us, bad company will corrupt even the best of intentions, your good character. So it'd be better for you to live with the oppressed and have a lowly spirit, have a right estimation of yourself, than to be puffed up with pride and somehow live with the plunder. It, it, it's inappropriate for the believer. So you see, God is all about your own peace of mind and your own peace of heart and soul. And because of that, you want to do the right thing. So am I humble in spirit? Do I, do I even see my own pride? Do I see it from a distance? Do I see it coming on? Can I feel it rising? Question number six, am I growing in self-control and patience? Because better is a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city, Proverbs 16, 32. So better is a patient person, get that, than someone who can fight. So it's better, God says, in my economy, it's better for you to be patient than to be a good fighter. Boy, that, that, that goes against culture, doesn't it? And self-control gets higher score than those who take the city. So you see, God's value system is different. It's different than what Wall Street would say, because they would say, take the city. They would say, start the fight, finish the fight. No, it'd be better off for you to have self-control than to take the city. And since God created us and he sustains us, holds us together, he knows how best our internal wiring is. And the better issue of character is, am I a patient person, not can I start a fight and finish it? And, and, he, and I find it so interesting that he says that it'd be better for you to be patient than to be the guy who can take over a city. Uh, that's power. You understand? So he's saying your internal power is more important than your external power. All right, one more question. That's question number seven. Is there progress in my life habits? Is there progress? Because it's better to be poor and walk and whose walk is blameless than to be a fool whose lips are perverse. 
am I headed toward blamelessness? Is there an ever-increasing mark of integrity in my life? Is, am, I, am I walking towards blamelessness, or is there foolishness in my lips? And I find it interesting, too. There's, there's two different tools he's using for measure. In the first half of the verse, he's talking about the walk, and the back half, the lips, the talk. You see, talk is actually cheap. What's he looking for? He's looking for walk. He's looking for your habits. So, so what does Paul say about all of this? He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself having gained this. I, I don't have this arrived. I'm, this is a walk for me. This is a progress, a piece in progress. But what do I do? I forget what's behind, Philippians chapter 3. I strain to what's in front of me. Why? Because I want to press on towards Christ. I, I want this to be progressively good. And what does Jesus say about that? He says, you hear the words of mine and you put them into practice. You're like the guy who builds a house on a rock. You're, you're going to be fine. Put it into practice. So my word to you today is find the better life, find the better step, make the wise move, and make the move. Don't just learn more material. Make the move. Apply one of those this week. Better yet, even today. Philippians chapter 4. Whenever you, whatever you've learned, received, whatever you've heard from me, you put it into practice. Put it into practice. Okay. I'm done. I'm going to tell you a story, then we're going to stand and pray. Here's the story. Solomon wrote this book and probably had some scribes help him. But um, we think of Solomon as a big guy, big burly, big beard, big crown, big arms, hairy arms, you know, lots of robes, lots of women around, lots of chairs, chariots, stuff. But there was a day when Solomon was a young man. There was a day when he was a little boy, when his dad was king. His dad's David. And David really built Israel. So he, he sees the building of the country. But we always think of, oh, man, he's the king. How cool could that be? Yeah, people hated his guts. They tried to kill him. <laughs> he was always at war with somebody. There was deception. He had to go hide in a cave. I mean, it's just, you know, he's not quite as glamorous as we might think it to be. Well, Solomon knows what he's getting into because he's watched his dad. So now it's Solomon's turn to be the king. And 2 Chronicles actually tells this story. So right when Solomon becomes king, God speaks to him, and the scriptures aren't complete, so God has to speak. The Bible's not written. So he speaks to Solomon. He goes, hey, Solomon. Can you imagine? Hey, Solomon, you're the new king. I'll give you whatever you need. What do you want? Oh, my gosh, this is my chance. I could ask for wine, women, song, land, I could, anything I want, all kinds of riches. He goes, really, anything? And God goes, anything. Is it okay? He says, God, you've been so kind to my dad, and now you're being gracious to me, um, but I need to rule these people, so what I need most is wisdom and understanding. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So God says, okay. And because you're asking for wisdom and understanding when you could have asked for wealth and crops and cattle and all that other, I'm going to give you wisdom and understanding and wealth <laughs> and crops and cattle. I'm going to give it to you all because you ask for wisdom and understanding. Now, jet that forward. A thousand years later, Jesus would come to earth We'd celebrate it as Christmas. 
30 years later, he would die on a cross. We celebrate that as Easter, the risen Lord. And not many years after that, clusters of believers like us would gather. And one of those guys who was a leader of the church at those assemblies, he writes to the 12 tribes, probably Jewish churches, the 12 tribes that are God's people. His name's James. And he will write almost parallel what Solomon understood. And he will write, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God who gives to us, us, liberally. Uh, uh, more than you could ask for. And he says, and when you do, it will come out looking like a, a peaceableness, a kindness. It will come out looking like a gentleness. It'll come out looking like really good deeds. But it's really wisdom if you'll just ask for it. Now, while I've been talking, probably the Lord's been speaking to you about what your next wise movement needs to be. So now you have it formulated in your head. You kind of have an idea. So the next move is now yours. And uh, you have some clarity to it. And if you don't, you'll ask God for that. And he promises, I'll give you wisdom on what even the next step ought to be. So my encouragement to you is make that next move a wise one. And then we will have a good week ahead. Right? Let's bow together for prayer. Let's stand and I'll give the benediction. We'll be on our way. Lord, that's our, that's our prayers, that we would live lives, what James said, known for good deeds done in humility because we are wise people. Help us to make the wise decisions, the right ones. For some in the room right now, God, it's a decision to knock down the pride. In others, it's to fear the Lord. And for others, it's a lesson from a week or two ago about family or finance or giving thanks. But you brought it to our mind, and so it's now our focus. It's our next better step. We want to be better people to your glory. And so we ask for just one small step today. And we ask this because you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think. And so to you alone belongs all the glory, both now and forever. In Christ's name we pray these things. And the church says, amen. Amen.